Hey everyone and welcome back to the show. Today we are changing the pace a bit and switching to a sport that played an integral role for everyone here at the Forejack, skateboarding. We are thrilled to have the president of Canada Skateboard on with us today, Benny Stoddard. Benny details the forming of the organization and how exciting it's been to be a part of a group that helped bring skateboarding to the Olympics. We talk about how skateboarding has taken on a new role in the world of sport and the doors it's opening for young athletes. This was such a fun interview. Anyone who skated or snowboarded will definitely appreciate this chat. So let's get into our conversation with Benny Stoddard. Cheers. Welcome to the 4Jack Podcast. Welcome back to the 4Jack Podcast, brought to you by Jackson Labs. In here again, fun guest, um, just another fun day. It's been a wet week, um, but an enjoyable one nonetheless. It's not, uh, since I got out of Edmonton and I'm not freezing my tits off, it's been a nice uh, nice change of pace. But before we get in deeper into some, just some weather talk, we don't need to be doing that. Let's just say hello to Tom, who might be actually dealing with some weather pretty soon here. Tom, what's happening? Not too much, my friend, the weatherman, right? <laughs> Just always love getting an update Tell on the Brent weather for me. <laughs> yeah, a little young, spry Brian Sobel. <laughs> uh, yeah, supposed to be getting potentially a foot of snow here in the city. Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I don't even know what to think of that, to be quite honest with you. If it does come, I'm going to have to go make some snow angels in Central Park or, you know, do something crazy. <laughs> but Sounds I'm like more excited about our guest today because we did a little bit of skateboarding in our life and uh sounds like what they're doing with Skateboard Canada and some of the things they're doing digitally is pretty damn dope. So totally. looking forward to diving into it with him today. Before we get to our guest, we'll just say hello to Parks. What's going on? Yeah, gents, what's going on? A little bit nicer in Vancouver than it is in Kamloops where I'm at currently, but... We don't have to spend all evening talking about BC weather and the forecast. Looking forward to having a super cool guest on tonight. Probably the coolest brother in the Stoddard family. Sorry, Brady. I got to throw it out there. Shots Benny's, fired. Benny, Benny's had an interesting uh, upbringing. He had a little introduction to golf. He's been involved in the digital sort of video game space, action sports. He's president of Canada Skateboard right now. And he's got a really cool story to tell us. And, and we're going to deep dive on Canada being a part of the Olympics and skateboarding, just the whole action sports landscape in, in the Canadian market. So super stoked to have Benny on tonight. Benny, thanks for joining us. Hey guys, happy to be here. That was uh, quite the intro uh, theme. I don't know if you guys had that song when you had my brother on, but it, it, that was <laughs> man, I like that. It's bumping now. <laughs> we had to step it up. We had to step for the coolest daughter, that's for sure. So I got to ask my first question, knowing that you are president of Skateboard Canada and What's the what's the biggest stair set you've ever ollied down in your life? Oh, we're getting into the tricks already. Just quickly, like I think <laughs> I've probably got like maybe a five set in my life. Like I, I wasn't particularly good at skateboarding. I I always liked skateboarding. I was more into the snowboarding side of life, but yeah, appreciated it. And it's always interesting to know, like, yeah, like what's the craziest thing you've done on a skateboard? I mean, us skateboarders, we don't count stairs, man. <laughs> touche. That's yeah, such more shit. Just <laughs> uh, everything is counted by stairs. Um, yeah, that's I wasn't a, a big 
I wasn't a big jumper. That's what we called jumping. I always thought I always kind of questioned jumping. Jumping came like kind of mid nineties, um, zero skateboards, Jamie Thomas, Thomas leap of faith, um, mm -hmm. that kind of era. And I, I always kind of thought it was silly, but, um, you know, that I, I, I did love a good gap. Um, hold on. There's a, no worries. There's a siren coming out of my it's coming to get you. <laughs> Turn the lights off, man. Talking Turn the lights off. It's gonna be really funny when I get it coming down my street right away here too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Turn the lights off. Um so sorry, sorry about that. No, but uh if there was a, a big grass gap or or something like that, um I, I, I couldn't stop myself from jumping it. But I I'd probably say nothing higher than uh maybe the subway set in Whistler, which was a ten. Which have you ever had drunken subway after the Tommy Africa's or Garfinkel's there at the, the the pizza and subway spot there? There's a ten stair at Subway. I'll eat that, but uh, I think probably that's that's probably my highest. That's, that's probably legit. Bad. That's a big one. Jamie <laughs> Thomas leap of faith wasn't that that crazy video where you like ollied over the handrail and like it was just huge, the biggest drop imaginable. Yeah, it, the the math was completely wrong on that one. <laughs> um, I actually interviewed Jamie about that in. 2012 and we did like a video recap and and got the rights to the the sequence and the the photo and there's a cool little video piece that i did that with jamie on and he he thought he could do it and he thought the only thing that really stopped him was the uphill landing and it's the physics being completely wrong but he he's an absolute psychopath yeah <laughs> kidding imagine that on your knees hey <laughs> i think every everyone that's in that action sports scene is uh somewhat of a psychopath or has a few sandwiches short of a picnic for sure i mean you gotta have uh you gotta have no fear to, to chase some of those opportunities or, or stunts or gaps or stair sets or whatever out there it's opportunities was good. madness the funny <laughs> thing was like even you talk about like tom kind of mentioned he's like he always had the respect for skateboarding like i was on the snowboarding soaring side as well and like I watched Tom do some really crazy shit, like stuff where I was like, that's so big. But I'm like, I could do that. But then you look at skateboarding, you're like, no, th th there's no way. Like, there's way more pain involved in that than there is in snowboarding. And I was like, I always thought skateboarding was just like too much. It was like almost too raw. I didn't like the disconnection from the board. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I think I would disagree with that. I think snowboarding because I came up snowboarding as well and um, I think snowboarding is a little bit more um, brawn than it is brains like it's yeah. just like, how fast can I can I send it off of this cliff or you know I'm just going to close my my eyes and huck and see how many rotations I can spin where where skateboarding is a little bit more of a delicate sport where it's like it, it um the it you need a really light touch on your feet you need to kind of be a dancer to be able to pop the board and to be able to get yeah. it to rotate and to flip the way you want it to where snowboarding you get any no no offense but any you know drunk australian to go send it off of airport <laughs> at the top of peak chair and whistler and we were like fuck look at that guy he's insane but you know skateboarding takes that that ten thousand hours sitting in a parking lot with the board just smashing against your ankles and your knees yeah. to uh, really kind of get that delicate touch it takes where you know that's a difference between a pro skater and a, and a pro snowboarder you find to see that the, the pro snowboarders are quite stocky, shorter, you know, thicker dudes. And we're skating. It's like the lighter guy. Cause it's, it, it's, um, it takes a certain touch to, to, but, yeah. then, but then you're right. You need a couple um, screws loose to be able to do that down things. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm going to do a kickflip to like 50, 50 down this stairwell, right. With like this board. 
the is not attached to my feet like definitely ankle breaker central yeah. and it's just yeah it's a crazy bad props to anyone that's good at either of them really well one of my you know and I, i'd love to i'll speak more on the national team later but one of my my good friends who's who's one of our you know targeted athletes for tokyo in the park skating discipline so there's two disciplines one being street one being park and park kind of being that like um drained backyard pool style um california skating of the 70s but uh, on uh, on steroids um like you know the, the the park skateboarding there's this guy named adam hopkins at a, at a thunder bay ontario so good and he, he's uh so good he's got this thunder bay hockey boy like um mentality like he's built like a like a like a hockey player redneck like uh, like that what's that t- television show that uh you know the um shoot you know that cbc Tra- trailer park boys no the other one uh Shit's Creek? Yeah. no Kenny, no no, no. Abbott- letter letter kenny letter, letter kenny. kenny yeah letter let, kenny. he's like a letter kenny guy um and you know just for instance like he he has all that skill and that touch but he has that brute force that you need in park skating where it's always about how how far you can grind and how high you can go he rips and, uh, you know we were on a, a filming trip in in oregon once and uh you know after a really gnarly slam he took in lincoln city um like a day later two days later he's in the van he's kind of like playing with his wrist and and, and i'm looking at him as like we're driving to like wherever oregon that day and it's like pretty sure i broke my wrist two days ago <laughs> and that slam in lincoln city and he's just like mm-hmm. it, it does take a little bit of that as well to uh, to make it in skateboarding i guess so one thing i need to ask real quick too is why no pipe for skateboarding in the olympics um i i hope it gets there I, okay I really think, but uh, half pipe skating is you know vert skating is what you're talking about is um is 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 kind of like a dead art and it's um mm. you know it's right it's it's not quite as i would say quote unquote dead as as vert, as a freestyle skateboarding which is kind of just like tic-tacking around on flat ground um but it, wow that's pretty dead if that's what it's being compared to right yeah, as soon as tony know. hawk bucky lassick and like bob burnquist left it's like bird died <laughs> It's I think Rod, I think Rodney Mullen might have something to say about that. But anyway, exactly. it's, yeah, it's an accessibility I- issue. Um, vert ramps are expensive. They're made out of wood. Um, they got to be housed in an indoor facility where um, that kind of transition skateboarding has evolved to have corners and hips and, and extensions and whatnot. And that's kind of evolved to what we see park skating now. So there's always mm-hmm. a vert element, vert being like straight up and down transition. There's a vert element in all the parks that you're seeing uh, any sort of qualification contests in. So um, the vert kind of back and forth, um, you know, backyard skating from the eighties is, is a bit dead. I love it though. And we had, you know, we have one of the most, we have the winningest um, competitive vert skater from the X games, mm-hmm. which is Pierre-Luc Gagnon. Uh, wow, I remember. So, you know, the fact that, you know, I don't know, it's a little, there's very similar disciplines, but um, they don't exactly land like Pierre is not a champion in park skating, right? It's, you know, a little bit different being able to navigate grinding around corners and going over hips, etc. But I hope they hope they bring it back. They do a really cool vert, an 80s throwback vert contest in Malmo, Sweden every year called the Vert Attack. And it's definitely worth worth a Google because there's some pretty funny uh, outfits so funny. you see from the different countries. I think we just got to take a minute and pause and give a shout out to PLG, right? I like 
always remember watching the X Games being like, come on, Pierre, Luke, and you know, do your Dude, I want to see his trophy case because he's, he's an absolute legend. He's, he's, he's li- he literally had a, like a 10-year run yeah. uh, in the X Games winning every vert contest. So absolute legend, um, you know, and, and the, the guys out in Quebec still look to him as like their, their Gretzky, which is kind of cool. I love that. <laughs> the Gretzky. I love it. <laughs> That's super cool. It's fun too because doesn't I, I've been to in Vancouver the last couple of years, and I don't know if they did it this year, but Vans does a little bit of a park tour, and they come up and do a bowl series at at a few different sites throughout the world, actually on an annual basis, and that's a pretty cool event to be a part of. So, is that something Canada Skateboards involved with as well? Yeah, absolutely. We um, I I, I actually went with Vans to Sweden with um the head of the Montreal Olympic park. Um, she was actually trying to get a, a bowl built on the premises of the, the Montreal Olympic park stadium there. And uh, so we went to uh, Malmo, Sweden to see the Vans park series there, meet with the, um, the, the skateboarding representative all of the city of Malmo, which is pretty cool and go to like um, the skateboard school that they have there. And we got kind of the VIP treatment in Sweden for, um, for Sonia to go back to Montreal and say, hey, this is what we could do here with this space. And they in turn actually built the park and opened it last or two summers ago. So now there's a brand new Vans Park in the Montreal Olympic Park, um, which, you know, due to COVID, they've only, there's only been one contest at. So they do they do some amazing things um, and, and they're looking at doubling down um, post Olympics to just like really go back to the roots of competitive skateboarding and not really kind of focused on the 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 high level like you know bureaucratic ioc olympic style stuff and just going back to like the fun of having getting everyone together having best tricks um inviting the people you want to see there etc etc so yeah i mean vans has always been a a huge supporter of me and and i'm just backing what they're doing in the space speaking of you i mean let's Let's kind of go back a little bit. There's a bit of a change of pace for the Four Jack uh, podcast here. Not so much golf talk, but let's let's go back to that angsty, rebelling kid who uh, picked up a skateboard and decided he needed to find something else to do to get away from the the family and the brothers and whoever else was bothering him. Yeah, um, sure. Uh, yeah, my brother he was kind of the, he's seven years older um, as much as he liked to say he's younger than me. Um, (laughs) And he was, he was a bit of the the protege growing up when it comes to golf. Anyways. Um, I think he was scratch around 14 and uh, you know, was winning tournaments earlier than that. So, you know, it, it it was something that always kind of came natural to him and, and uh, him being the the big shot brother, it kind of left big uh, shoes to fill in that space. So, when it came to golf, I kind of tried to carve my own path in, in sport and, and in life, not to be in my, my brother's shadow because it was, it was a big shadow that he casted. So, you know, being a, a West Coast kid and growing up in, in, in Chilliwack, um, small-ish town in the 90s, naturally I was kind of drawn into, into skateboarding. So, you know, we were Army kids growing up, so we traveled around quite a bit. And and, uh, you know, mostly on the East Coast, Edmonton being one of them as well. And, and it was very hockey focused and, you know, 12 years old, moving to the West Coast, realizing that you don't have to play hockey. And uh, and none of my friends that I met had, had were playing. And I was used to like two practices a week to maybe one game. 
And it's like, what, we can just hang out in the parking lot and try kickflips and, and hang out with girls? This is way better. So, because, uh, I mean, mind you, our hockey was, was closely tagged to the military bases. So we had, you know, um, pretty gnarly coaches yelling at us, telling us to do run lines at 6 a.m. before school. And it was like, dude, why am I doing this when I could be, you know, trying kickflips and trying to kiss girls? So that's, that, that's, what, that's what drew me to skateboarding. Mm-hmm. I get you there. That's kind of like, that's part of the appeal that brought me into snowboarding. It was like the hang at the hill in the evening, right? There's like, there's some babes, like we'll pull down a couple signs and make some sleds and rip down the hill and like, just kind of hang out for a bit. And yeah, rather than that, like, I'm going to teach you discipline today, right? Try and cough my way through my first couple joints and uh, see if I can make it down the hill and not, you know, break my neck. So it was a good time. At that point I was still (laughs) like, yeah, no, no, please. No, thank you. Yeah. I'm okay. Thank you. Well, it, to, to be honest, and, and I had this conversation last week on a, on a panel, uh, they were trying to get, they're trying to get a skate park built in Chilliwack. And, uh, and I jumped on the call because it's my hometown and I was interested in what the design's going to look like for, you know, the kids. It, it's, it's important because I, you know, I came from there and there was a couple, um, kind of Karens on the, on the call that were, you know, for lack of better descriptive words, they were, uh, Karens and they were very upset about the fact that a skate park was being built in, in their community. Another one because they don't want teenagers hanging around. And, you know, I was very quick to jump on the call and let her know who I was and, and, you know, where I came from and, and the reason where, you know, how I'm the president of Canada skateboard is directly correlated to having a skate park beside my house growing up in Chilliwack. And, you know, there's always going to be teenagers hanging around it's, you know, give them something to do, give them, give them a place to learn how to golf, give them a place to learn how to snowboard or to skateboard, um, or they're just going to be lying around loitering and doing what you don't want them to be doing. And, uh, you know, those skills that I learned at the skate park when I was a kid, like socially, physically, mentally, all of those trans- transfer into exactly my DNA of who I am now as a 40 year old man. So I, I was just like, uh, like drooling, waiting to be able to talk to the talk to these ladies, and we're like, actually, you know, this could be something great for the community if if handled well. So, mm-hmm. um, but anyways, I, I have a lot to thank for, you know, learning all of those life skills through skateboarding and not being like, you know, some people aren't don't like getting yelled at by drill sergeants at six in the morning to to do laps, you know, and 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 need to learn it on their own. What is the reception like, Benny? Now that skateboarding is sort of perceived on this level where it's socially acceptable. I remember I grew up in a time where skateboarding is not a crime stickers were everywhere. And it was such a like, Oh my God, those are those skater kids. What are they going to do now? Smash something or you know what I mean? And yeah. now look at guys like Nigel Houston and Rob Deirdrick and Danny way and Colin McKay and all these guys that have created these like massive enterprises. And now skateboarding's like, cool and acceptable or has been for some time now so it's had to sort of create this opportunity for you guys to sort of propel things forward in such a positive manner it's it is so huge now and it's a it's on the brink of being so much bigger um in july of this year they're expecting five billion screens worldwide to see skateboarding on um, competitive skateboarding for the first time with you know all the nations represented and that's on prime time nbc and cbc on day one and day two of the olympics and the last two days of the olympics 
prime time. Like they, they booked it for, we're going to be, I think we're skating at like eight in the morning or something like that. So we're on prime time. You know, uh, I think it's the eight to seven p.m. It might be the nine p.m. slot on NBC, CBC, and it's just it's it is so crazy. It's about to just completely boom. And you know, being involved in skating since the early nineties, I've I've seen a couple booms. Right, we saw the boom of the um, you know Tony Hawk doing the nine hundred at the X Games in ninety five, and then Tony Hawk having the the number one. Um, video game of, of 2000 and um you know they're, they're, I, i've been able to ride the waves and we're, we're really kind of expecting this to be another huge wave and it's 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 just skateboarding is so big right now and there's so many different kind of pillars that like i don't even fit into a lot of them anymore it's like my version of skateboarding as a 40 year old man could be completely different than you know this eight-year-old girl's version of skateboarding in japan or this 20-year-old kids version of skateboarding in london or you know it, it all over tom's the version of boosted boarding around town right like <laughs> i just want this as a mode of transportation yeah it's 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 crazy man before it was like if you could walk around in your hometown or even in vancouver and you see a guy wearing a pair of airwalks you're gonna give him like the nod or a pair of etnies, you're going to be like, you, you guys know. But now it's like you would have no idea that, you know, my involvement in skateboarding because it's just such a broad thing. And it's, I don't know, I think it's pretty rad. God bless Eric Costin, hey? Do a kickflip. <laughs> but it's crazy, though, too, because, I mean, you've got big brands that are, like, involved in skateboarding. Like, look at Nike. Okay, so how can you, like you said, how can you even tell? If the guy's just wearing a pair of Nikes, does that mean he skateboards? No, no it's even, still right? pretty big. T tomorrow, actually, it got pushed till Wednesday, but I don't know when this comes out. Um, we're announcing a, a partnership with, uh, you know, probably the largest uh, convenience store chain in Canada uh, <laughs> and potentially the world. So, like, you know, it, it's big, man. Like, they they see the they see the potential, and and uh, you know, they they know like you know our national champion right now for street, Matt Burgers from Kamloops, he's on the cover of Cinnamon Toast Crunch cereal. In, in every Safeway and Walmart in Canada for the next two years. Like it's, just, wow. it's crazy to think of like, you know, I knew Matt when he was nine years old with little flames on his green helmet at the skate park following us around because I'd be filming, you know, the elders in his hometown and he'd be like, can you film me? Can you film this? And like now to be getting like cut checks from General Mills is, is pretty impressive. <laughs> That's Straight insane. up. It's I sick, remember man. the convenience store was definitely like a building block of our skateboarding lives because it was like yeah like after school we'd rush to the 7-eleven and like be making dibs on who gets the big bite right like if there's two I get one for sure and then we'd sit on that like yeah it was it was the perfect life Arizona iced teas great oh, like, up I uh, uh, uh slushes I wish I could speak more about it, uh, but uh, just in case something happens in the PR and it doesn't come out Wednesday, I'm going to bite my tongue. But um, definitely, it'll be all over our socials, and, and we're we're like super stoked of uh, it's a multi-year deal, and we're we're just pumped to, to have them a part of the family. You want to throw out your socials real quick, just to let people know where they can check up on that. Yeah, at Canada Skateboard, everything. Uh, I think Twitter's Can Skateboard, and. Uh, um, CanadaSkateboard.ca and .com. So you, you think these companies would have bought in back in the day when they had all these kids hanging out outside thinking, hey, maybe there's an opportunity here for the future. Well, they looked no at way. them as pests back in the day. Yeah, I like guess. don't ruin my curb. Yeah. Stop coloring, stop coloring my curb. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
So Benny, let's let's fast forward a little bit. You're into skateboarding. You're you're one of these guys growing up. You, you have a passion for the sport. What was your introduction into the sort of video game space? Because that's been a big part of your life. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually in my in my studio right now, working away on a on a project that we're trying to get out for April. So, awesome. as you can imagine, from a, like a television or, or film perspective, um, I'm right in the middle of the project because we're we're, we're we're burning the midnight oil right now, trying to get the game out. But um, so just quick, quick history is I, I made skateboard films since I was um, doing kickflips with my buddies in Chilliwack. And uh, I think the first film that we we produced was, you know, a very local thing. It came out in 96 and or we started shooting in 96 and it came out and in the end of 97. And um, um, I continued making films. I made snowboard films up in Whistler under um, Narcor Video Play Productions, that's what it was called. And then we started Don't Sleep Productions in I think 2004 and came down and started making a, a kind of national level skateboard films, uh, DVDs. And um, it, was, it was pre-YouTube because 2005 YouTube came out. And um, I think it was 2006, I, uh, at EA, someone had seen one of my films and uh one of the films that we worked on and and i put my uh business card in these dvds and they had my number and called me and they they were making a skateboarding game and needed somebody with like skateboard filmmaking uh experience and just kind of knowledge of the of the industry and i think i was i was 26 and uh they offered me a salary position which i'd never i didn't even know what a salary position was i was driving snowcat at grouse mountain building building their snowboard park so i actually got a call in the snowcat and uh they were like do you want to make you know x amount a year and i remember calling my mom and being like they're offering x amount a year is that good she's like take the job <laughs> take the job. get out of the groomer <laughs> leave it now. meanwhile i'm like getting paid whatever 15 dollars an hour to drive a snowcat and um also loving it but so I started that next Monday and, and I just like, I knew that this was an opportunity I didn't want to blow. And I just learned as much as I possibly could and was a stick in the mud about everything when it came to that project because we cared so much about that, that one product, which was EA Skate. And then I ended up staying at, um, at we call it the mothership, the, the mothership of electronic arts, uh, EA Sports until about 2010, 2011. And uh, yeah, and that, that was kind of the jump off for me in games. And now I, I, I own my own mobile studio with a couple partners here in Vancouver. And we focus mostly in uh, the action sports space, yeah, we're mostly sports uh, for mobile. So we've done a lot of Red Bull projects and we just released uh, the official ski racing game for the FIS, the, the, the International Federation for, for Ski Racing. So it's going pretty That's good crazy. so far. Yeah honestly mobile gaming has blown my mind like i downloaded call of duty mobile i think a year ago and like not playing any first person shooter games or anything like that and then like it totally blew my mind how like yeah just where we're at with technology right now it's like i remember making snowboard videos where yeah you had your mini dv video camera and like yeah. get the fire wire out like some who's got the software and now it's like my buddy dave shout out dave Dave Smith um, is making the craziest videos all day long with his cell phone, right? So it's like, mm -hmm. okay, now we can make snowboard videos with our phones and we can play first person shooters. Like what a crazy time it is to be a kid growing up. 
it yeah it's it's crazy and, and it, i was you know, lucky enough to like when i left ea it was kind of the start of mobile gaming like the big boom of mobile gaming 2011 it was kind of angry birds can candy crush that that kind of era and um i was still in, very involved inside of skateboarding so i was um you know do, it, that was the boom of YouTube as well. So I was doing a lot of commercial work for skateboarding, which, you know, traveling the world, documenting skateboarding for different brands, and then also cutting game trailers for different studios in Vancouver. So I was keeping my, my relationships um, strong inside of gaming. And then you saw this boom in mobile. So there's all these mobile games uh, studios getting set up in Vancouver. And it's just kind of like who you know and what kind of contracts you can get. But, you know, knock on wood, we've been, we've been going strong. We, we, we started in 20, uh, started 2016. And we've, I think we've published um, about nine titles now, which is, which is pretty good. And currently working on a new one and I'm, I'm biting my tongue cause I, we, we're going live. We're, we're, our, our press release is in January, but it's a, it's definitely a space that I know well and I'm very proud of. So I'm, uh, I'm I'll be stoked to announce that soon. That's so sick. Um, kind of talk to us about obviously what you have going on in your life, but also how skating and the organization has kind of been affected during this whole COVID time and how it's been moving forward f through this. Yeah. Um, like a quick background on, on Canada Skateboard, it, you know, we, it was founded in 2016. Um, prior to the announcement of skateboarding being added to the, the Olympic fold for, for 2020. And, uh, you know, an organization was needed to be set up in Canada um, in order to say, hey, you know, we're ready and Canada will be ready and we're excited for this. And, you know, uh, a couple guys and myself set set that up in 2016 and I was I was lucky enough to get elected um, president of the board and you know since then it's been um, a few different college courses worth of paperwork um, legally when it comes to just like setting yourself up as a registered uh, athletic association in Canada and just you know as a nonprofit period it's it was I would never do it again unless it was skateboarding. <laughs> it's just the, the craziest amount of work when it comes to policy and governance and et cetera, et cetera. But sparing you that boring stuff, we, we you know, we got up and running pretty quick um, with the right people in Canada, um, you know, trying to preserve the skateboarding element of, of a national sport organization. And, um, you know, we were, we were all, all systems go for Tokyo 2020. And then, and then the pandemic hit, which was, which is pretty um, messed up for for myself. Um, you know, we had our national championship being in March March seventh, and then we were you know we were we were heading to Vegas two weeks later for the second last stop before the World Championships of of the Street League uh, World Tour. It was also my bachelor party weekend, which was going to be an all time epic thing because it was. Uh, Street League was re really like rolling out the red carpet for us, putting us in a suite, and uh, and it, you know wow. you know how Vegas goes for 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 events, and uh, and it, and, it, and all of a sudden everything shut down. And I remember calling the the president of, of uh, texting the president of Street League, going, are, "Are we okay? Like, is this happening?" And she's like, "No, we're good. Don't worry. Your bachelor party is going to happen. We got you." <laughs> and then the next yeah. day, I get a, I get an email from them saying an official email from street league saying we're postponing and I got a text from her saying it's out of our hands. They postponed the NBA. As oh. soon as the NBA and the NHL made the decision, skateboarding followed. And, um, 
it's just been a whole year of contingency planning and, and you know for for the most part it's been welcomed um for on, from the organizational side of things but you know the, the shitty part of this is the athletes you know some of our guys and girls were were peaking at the right time to uh to to hit um july of 2020 and to really perform at their their highest ability and for them to like have this now unknown about like when I can travel again, when I compete again, you know, when all of this anxiety starts building again. So it's really, you know, unfortunate for our skaters. And um, so that's been a really kind of hard thing to mediate over the last, uh, whatever, 10 months or so. But um, I just want to jump in there for a minute and just kind of add on to what you're saying. Like you're saying peaking. I mean, people kind of forget as well. Like you're talking about the skaters, but like, these are still high level athletes. Every a lot of athletes train for that peaking moment. And especially skateboarding, like where you're so prone to injury, it's like, man, we're, hopefully nothing happens, but like you're still going to continue to train and you hope that you can hit that peak again. And that's really unfortunate that obviously these, whatever happened. These happened. guys and girls are they're literally machines. Yeah. And and I wish like I wish I had the tools that they they had they have now when I was younger, but I don't think, I, I mean, I never had the ability that they do, but um, they take it very seriously. And, and, you know, the mental preparation as much as the physical was just as much like you're, you're, you're a pioneer of sport. There's mm-hmm. no one, there's no one that, you know, can, that can say that, right. Because, you know, all, all the sports have been around forever, but this is the first time you were going to, any Canadians going to represent our nation in this sport so what was that call like did you just like oh what number is this hey uh yeah are you guys interested in having canada compete in the olympics for skateboarding you're like huh who's this like what was that like um it it it, it happened through skateboarding first i i was i was touring i was i was at an event and the american homies um that that are event organizers they they kind of caught wind that the olympic announcement was going to happen and um and you know we were actually in a hot tub which is funny um we were in a hot tub just kind of bullshitting and uh and you know a couple sideways comments were made about the olympics and and the the american guys were like hey man it's going to happen regardless of your crusty ass or not um they're gonna happen and you either are going to be a part of it or not and it's you can take it as your responsibility to make sure the skateboarding stays involved or move aside and let the next joe schmo step in but you know, I, I, I had like the perfect timing in my life was, you know, I felt like kind of the, the, I, I owed this to skateboarding to like, I, I don't have a conflict of interest currently in the space of skateboarding. Cause you know, it's a volunteer position as president of the board. And when you, when you work on a board of a nonprofit conflict of interest is a big thing, right? You know, I make my money inside of video games. So I, but I owe it to skateboarding. So I can put the time and effort in it's going to need, you know, and if I don't, I'm going to be kicking myself in five years when I see it on TV and some, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll censor myself, but some other person is in the, is, or other group is in the position. And it's not the right people. Like we, we did the due diligence of making sure like, you know, the first round of board of directors that we had um, and the board of directors that we have now are like, the core core skate heavy people that have like cut their teeth and, and kind of earned their rank in the space. So um, anyways, long story short, we knew the, we knew the, um, we didn't get the call. We came to call in. 
you know, we, we, we knocked on Sport Canada's door. We knocked on Canadian Olympic Committee's door and said, hey, you know, you guys got to do this because it's coming and um, you have a mandate and we're the right people to, to help you along this ride. And uh, they, you know, through, through some vetting, um, you know, very, very quickly realized that we were the right people and, and, uh, and we are where we are now. What's important about not having the corporate machine involved in that process, even just to establish skateboarding? I'm sure it's going to take a life of its own on five, 10 years from now. But what's so important about not having the corporate fingers in the mix from the start? I think it'll be, I think um, we won't get the support from the skateboarders. And that's the, you know, we've seen that happen inside of snowboarding unfortunately where you know the the international federation of snowboarding when it when it started was picked up by um fist like the ski racing uh federation and they run snowboarding right so now all the core snowboarding events that you're seeing you know the u.s open of snowboarding and like the the west beach classic in whistler etc like in the early 90s they weren't tied to the olympic qualification structure it was actually run by a whole different um so we we run that risk of like the skateboard is going you know what we don't want to be involved with all this craziness where you know we 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 find that you know the olympics provide um kick down a whole bunch of doors that these skateboarders have no idea that could be kicked down like for instance matt's matt's uh you know serial deal like you know if it wasn't for you know the work of canada skate not not for us but if it, you know if there was another organization then skateboarders wouldn't want to be involved in the olympics at all where we've we we've, we've really focused in on the preservation of the culture side of things where it's not like we're not kooking it where it's really it's a delicate position because you know we are looked at as the olympic guys but that's that's just part of the mandate of, of the organization we're here to preserve the culture and to just promote and grow skateboarding in Canada. That, that's the main goal and the main thing I go back to when I have to question myself for anything. It's like, are we helping growing? Are we helping to grow here? Are we helping to promote? Are we helping to preserve? If not, why are we doing this, right? Mm, that's powerful. Yeah, like speaking of that culture, skateboarding and snowboarding kind of go hand in hand with this, but um, like you kind of mentioned there with snowboarding, when... When they when that first kind of got introduced, you know, there was all the other pros that were in videos, and I'm sure this will be somewhat similar with skateboarding. They're like, nah, not getting involved in that. Kind of like a scoff culture, like I'm too cool for that. I don't want to be involved in this corporate bullshit. Like, does that kind of still exist even with how big skateboarding is now? Like, do the younger guys like still kind of want to go, nah, I'm too cool for that. Like, I don't, I don't dig that. Well, it, it goes back to what I was saying about the different pillars inside of skateboarding. There's so many lanes in skateboarding now, whereas like as much as we, you know, uh, um, as I respect and love the, you know, Spencer Hamilton's, I don't know if you guys know him, but, you know, he's a covered in tattoos, um, you know, respected street skater from Vancouver or from Ottawa, but, you know, he's my neighbor in Vancouver now. And, and just like journeyman pro skater who's super respected. Um, there's also room there's another lane for that competitive skater that niger houston or that that tony hawk like it's you know and so we like to celebrate all the lanes right because who am i to tell you what like my picture of skateboarding is completely different than the next person yeah. right so i think it's rad my picture of skateboarding right now is i think it's rad that we can all coexist right there's the the kooky weirdo you know kind of rodney mullen trick dudes like uh 
Right. Not, I would say take Kookie out of that, but like Andy Anderson, if, if you don't follow him on Instagram, you should. It's authentic Andy Anderson. It's just, you'll he's see the, the wildest moves. He's the best. Right. And then there's like the hardcore street dudes who like follow the rules of the core industry, which would be like the Sasha Dailies or the Spencer Hamiltons. And then there's, there's, there's a lane for these competitive guys, which is like, you know, which makes me happy because there's opportunity in all of those lanes. Yeah. Cool. Don't forget about the geriatrics. We got uh, Jason Ellis and Tony Hawk are still skateboarding, yeah. I think, together. Well, the whole <laughs> and Danny and Colin. Yeah, and, all yeah. those boys. That's cool that, like, yeah, it seems like a sport that's a young man's thing, but uh, it's nice to see those boys, like, still it's doing like it, the, right? It's like the seniors tour, you know? We have, yeah. a, <laughs> we, we yeah. have the, I mean, the Vans pool party every year. They have the Masters division. It's like, I go early because I want to see Christian Hissoy and Steve Caballero battle Lance Mountain and, and, and McGill. And, you know, later in the day is all these kids who are 16 that you've never heard of. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just rad that we have these lanes in, in skateboarding. I was trying to compare it to golf, and it's kind of like uh, <laughs> uh, the long drive. You know, you've got, you've got you have your legends in the long driving space, and yeah. it's like, we, you know, we have that. It's not just competitive skateboarding. It's not just the tour. There's there's a whole lot that comes with skate. Yeah, yeah, I feel like the long drive equivalent is totally the like the super ramp, but like yeah, who, Danny Way super ramp, right? Like yeah. that's that's the long drive for sure. Yeah, that is that is even a crazier event space. Like with the X Games and the Mega Ramps, the stuff that guys like Elliot Sloan are doing, or what's the French kid that chucked the fourteen hundred last year in the X Games or, or twelve hundred, whatever it was. That was just insane. I don't think he was French. Was it? Was it uh, Tristan Rennie? No, 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 no. I can't uh, remember. Luke Gagnon. No, no, PLT. <laughs> He's making a comeback. Yeah, uh, like, a- Adrian something. Maybe not. Maybe he's not French. Yeah. Anyways, where's Mitch Ryan Brusco, that's who at? Was, maybe. Where's Where's the Sheckler at in his <sighs> skateboarding career? I, like, I haven't. Shex is in a. He's in a really good space. I think mentally. Um, you know, he was kind of like the child phenom that had the MTV uh, reality show for a couple of years. And, you know, he made a lot of money in his, in his like, you know, from like 10 years old. Yeah. Like going now, down the Macaulay Culkin road. Almost. Yeah. And he's, he's pretty well adjusted. I think, I mean, as, as well adjusted as you could be living in Orange County and being a, a child phenom, you know, he's, he's, he's quite religious um, and he's really dedicated to working out. So he's got like probably 0.1% body fat on his whole body right now. And oh. he's just fully jacked. Um, but yeah, and still skating. He did this uh, trick um, in Indonesia this year that kind of shocked uh, the skateboard world that realized he still had it, which was um, he put his tail of his board on an overpass in Indonesia and uh, the center in like bomb dropped off of the bridge into like a down transition of the bridge in between traffic going both ways. And it was about a 15 foot drop until he hit the transition, which is about 20 foot of like transition before he hit the ground. And the photo is just psycho, but um, yeah, he still got it. I think, um, you know, this is getting a little deep into the weeds here, but I think the way the competition format panned out for street skaters and park skaters, um, he kind of didn't fit the mold. Where if like um, if it went in a little bit of a different direction, Sheckler would have done um, would would be our Niger right now potentially um, because uh, you know he's kind of known for high flying antics and, and maneuvers where 
you know, the street skating side of thing is really focused on the drops and the handrails and the down ledges where, um, you know, he's looking for like high flying action and uh, those courses don't really lend to Sheckler well. So, um, okay. but you know what, I'm not, you're not, I'm not sad for the guy because I mean, he's, he's still cashing in Oakley. Yeah, check, exactly. Check he's, doing, he's doing okay. He can afford to get another tattoo, I'm sure. It's not exactly. a big deal. Exactly. Okay, this is yeah. something I want to talk with you, but we were talking off air about this and kind of with the street skating and all these competitions that obviously got put off and they had to, like you were saying, these young kids haven't just send in their best trick video. And like, this is nothing for kids nowadays because they have phones and everything and they do this every single day, no matter what. But like, this would have been like the dream back in the day. This was like making like your demo tape. (laughs) Like this was like the sickest thing. So like, talk to us about like what these kids were going through to do this. Sure. Um, and, and, and this is a bit of a leak, but that that's okay. Um, we are currently exploring, you know, in exploring contingency plans for events across Canada for next year. Um, you know, w- w- we've we've explored the concept of doing something virtually, yeah. and you know, I've I've learned this through talking with other countries and what they're doing in this space right now, and also talking with other sports here in Canada, because um, you know, you know, being on the um, the sports medical advisory uh, commission with, uh, with a bunch of other sports and, you know, just, just finding ways how to combat this, this, this pandemic in a, in a kind of responsible matter. We're looking at different ways to like, you know, activate our community, but in a way where it's not looking like we're, um, you know, stepping out of line with the, you know, keeping right. It's like, how do you keep doing what you're doing without doing what you're doing? Exactly. So, um, for instance, you know, I, and I'm not sure if Canada is doing this, but I know that, you know, for gymnastics, um, you know, globally, they're looking at virtual um, qualification setups where you're like you're in a you're in a controlled environment, a controlled gym that's, you know, COVID tested, etc. There, there might be an officiant on site and you're doing the balance beam live um, through through video to to a panel of judges somewhere else. So, you know, we're looking at, you know, that kind of concept for Canada where like maybe we could have a feeder system that, that um, you know, feeds into our national championships where we can have kids, um, you know, submitting footage um, from their home parks. And, right. You know, I just think of that as as I'm such a cool option, right? Like, having just brain overload ideas right now. And it's like. I qualified for the the world championships of Call of Duty Mobile. And one of the things that was the craziest about it was like, <laughs> while you're playing it, it's just like, hey, do you want to try and qualify for the Call of Duty Mobile championships? And you like click the button and it's like, okay, your next 10 games are going to be recorded. And if you like win a certain amount, then like you get to go to the next level. And it's like the skateboard culture kind of has this this thing with like Tony Hawk, right? Like we all played Tony Hawk skateboarder and that that what was that one? game type where it was like yeah you got to do skate you got to jump over the homeless guy yeah and it's like you should almost have like if you want to try and qualify you just download this and like if you can ollie a 10 set if you can do a (laughs) horse nose grind right like these are the checklists of the videos you need to submit well you know and i I don't want to leak too much but talking to other countries about this and what they're doing and you know i ask questions like that that about like what are you doing for format and, and, you know, it's basically, if you were just to give a kid, just submit 45 seconds, it's raw, there's no cuts, like that's the one rule, no cuts has to be shot mm-hmm. in, you know, 2020 or 2021, um, depending on when the contest starts, the skating is going to be clear, 
whether the whether the person has right. the chops or not, right? Mm-hmm. So um, it doesn't matter if their skate park is, you know, their field of play is ten times less gnarlier than the field of pay, play of the next guy. It, you're going to be able to tell his skill and his style from that 45 seconds. There's really no hiding it, right? So right. Um, I, I love the idea. I, for, personally, if if I was back in Chilliwack in the '90s, and, and this was an opportunity, I would have told my my best buddy Joey to to, to charge all of his batteries that he had and to <laughs> get the skate park, and we were going to spend two weeks trying to get the best frigging clip I could get because you know nobody knows the hometown park better than the hometown park shark, right? So I'd be excited if we if we ended up going down this road to to um to really expose some of the talent across the board because. You know, I've I've been lucky to be able to travel the, the world skating in a lot of Canada and and seeing some of the talent that like we we don't go to Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. We're not going to Moncton. We're not going to Charlottetown. We're going you know we're we're going to the main parts, main cities that are are, are you know our, our partners are happy with you know and they're kind of main hubs for skating across the country. But we're leaving a, a, a large part of the map you know untouched. So yeah. it's really cool to expose like some new talent and you know even with our our physical event tour that we did in 2018 um we found a a girl who was nine years old out of um the outskirts of toronto her name's faye ebert if you check out at faye skate she just turned 11 two weeks ago and she is going to be the first canadian woman to 540 um she she is just at 11 she's just a tasmanian devil on a board she's just a a freak and uh was one trick away from being our national champion beating out a girl in her mid-30s and i think is going to have a long reign of national championships behind her um moving forward and and it's just so cool to be able to provide those type of platforms for people that we wouldn't have known about Faye because she was just stuck in her hometown skating and realized that there was a skate contest and she's like oh maybe I should enter with the boys now turns out she's getting full support from a bunch of countries uh, companies speaking of Jamie Thomas like Jamie Thomas is zero skateboards founder and has been flowing her boards and clothing for the last six months and yeah so that's the stuff that gets me super geeked about the, the the volunteer work I get to do with the organization. I guess it creates this like super inclusive opportunity for the sport, which is fantastic to have that reach, right? Like, like you said, it's, it's discovering these places that nobody really ventures to. And there's a lot of good skateboarders out there hiding in these corners. I I think just like golf um, at at a much smaller scale, um, uh, diversity and equity has been an issue in our, in our, in our sport. And it's like, the first thing we have to do is, is recognize that. And, uh, you know, it's definitely been a, a white male dominated West coast kind of, uh, uh, culture. And, you know, in the last, I guess with the birth of Instagram and the boom of social media of the last five years, it's really kind of like been an eye opener for the skateboard industry. That was really kind of like hyper-focused on that, that demographic where it's like now instead of like, the the magazines and the videos being the only connection of the industry for everyone it's like these little girl like a little girl in japan can now be talking to uh, a, another girl in um australia who's you know talking to a non-binary person in africa and then you, you see these new communities building and it's so cool to see it's like it's not controlled by a tour it's not controlled by an industry and we're actually seeing the largest boom inside of skateboarding being in 
women's and, and non-binary uh, skateboarding, which is so, so cool for us because it's, I mean, it's, it's just as valuable to have a, a, a man on the podium as it is a woman and, and, and to see the, the, the boom of women's skateboarding in Canada is awesome. We're, we're actually shooting a, a, a documentary about it right now. Let's talk about something really cool that you've done for the sport, which needs a, a, definitely a light shine on it. Uh, you curated over the past few years this wonderful book full of pictures and skateboard spots and wonderful skateboarders. And there's a copy of it right there sitting on my coffee table at home. Talk to us about this Canada Skateboard Magazine that you've been such a big part of. A huge time investment from your side. Yeah, um, I mean, it's another thing I just felt like I was obliged to do. Um, I, I worked I worked inside of skateboarding magazines for, uh, you know, 2010 to 2015. I was an editor of Canada's, one of Canada's main skateboard magazines. And, you know, it was, it was just a timing thing again for me where it was, uh, I was in the right place at the right time. And after leaving um, the magazine to, to, to kind of hone in on, on uh, my company here, uh, I always wanted to do a coffee table book and, and kind of celebrate the lead up to, you know, the next big boom of skateboarding. And, you know, it's been a good five decades of, of skating here in Canada. And, uh, you know, as a culture that, 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 you know, spends a lot of time documenting itself, um, there, there's, there, there was a cool story to be told. And so, so I, I spent the time, we, 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 uh, got a photography committee together and, uh, we, we just emailed and bugged people, direct messaged and spent about two and a half years of just asking people if they would submit to this project volunteer. And, uh, I think we had over 50 photographers submit and, uh, it was over five decades of photos, it was 300 pages, and and the, the the only rules we had were we wanted to have a Canadian skateboarder skateboarding in Canada somewhere. So we weren't accepting any photos of anyone non-Canadian and any photos outside of of the territory of Canada. So um, it turned out pretty good, man. We're, we're stoked. We sold we sold the first edition in 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 less than two hours. And uh, oh, yeah, wow. and uh, the second great. edition has been selling good for Christmas, and um, it's got full-on ISBN number, and it's in libraries across the country, and it's just, it's it's been a dream come true. Unfortunately, I, I wasn't able to um, tour the country promoting the, promoting the book this summer due to COVID, but I had all of the prints ready to to do uh, exhibitions across the country. We were looking to do uh, three or four cities, and that didn't happen. But uh, but thankfully for social media, it got out and. Uh, and, and it's on people's tables across the country. So I, I can't be, I, I'm happy, man. And as a super fan of skateboarding, if somebody wanted to blow up one of the pages, are you the guy to talk to to get a big print done for a wall or something like Absolutely. that? Absolutely. I'm, I'm right. definitely the guy. And and we are we are planning on being able to exhibit still because it's something we want to celebrate, man. It's, it's five decades of, of, of culture there. And, um, you know, we're not going to let a pandemic stop us. So We'll, uh, we'll hold out. I still got all the prints and, you know, there's going to be, we're going to be celebrating together again soon. And uh, there's going to be a need for an after party at one of these contests and, and, and be sure to expect these, these photos to be seen at that after party. All right. So we talked about all the fun and wonderful things, the rainbows and puppy dogs about skateboarding, but we all know the true bare bones definition of skateboarding drills down to this road that's completely paved with pain and i know i have 16 reasons in the cash and prizes that i probably won't be skateboarding a rail anytime soon talk to us about the injuries you've sustained and why that's maybe limited your golf career 
Oh, geez. Um, Get into the real stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, let's talk, let's talk about why we don't want to play golf with you because you can't see our ball, apparently. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm blind in my right eye from, from a head injury, so suffered my second subdermal hematoma of the skull in early 2000s. So I had opti optic nerve damage in my, in my right eye. So I, I just see, I see basically out of a pinhole and it's all in black and white. So um, vision has ended up being quite an impediment as I've gotten older. Um, you know, cause, cause it, it, it's slowly kind of deteriorating, which kind of sucks. But, uh, uh, just on top of that, it's just everything and anything when it comes to like ligaments, the IT band is a big issue inside of skateboarding, the, the IT band, um, sliding into the hip because you, um, you're pushing heavily on one side and you guys get that in golf when you're swinging in one direction. So you're, you're seeing a lot of lower back. Um, like I've had sciatica multiple times. Um, sci sci from trying a trick in one direction for a couple hours, um, I'll have sciatica for a month after that. But you know, metal metal pins and rods in my forearm, um, my 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 uh, clavicle shaped like a Z, um, which is uh, or a Z in Canada, which is the the X-ray is hilarious. Um, my 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 humerus on this side is is shaped like I have two elbows, so I have a, I have, a, I have like almost like a ninety degree turn turn in my in my uh, humerus bone on my right side. Um, ankles are just messed, um, but broken, like fingers, crooked fingers, uh, like my show, show us your finger. Yeah. Yeah. My finger is messed up. I don't know if you can see this, but my finger points in that direction. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. So it's <laughs> kind of messed up, but, but to be honest, the, the, everything, um, you know, the worst out of it all was probably the ankles you do, you do ligament damage in your ankles. You're just, you're so limited for anything when it comes to like, um, like walking or skateboarding or any, it just takes forever yeah. to heal. So any sort of ankle damage. And it's really hard to tell when you're like, cause you're, you're mentally there and you're physically there other than your one bum ankle. And, you know, I've, I've spent years of my life shaving my, my, my lower leg and taping my foot like a boxer just to be able to, you know, walk and skateboard back in like the, the hardcore days of skating. But I wouldn't take any of it back really, to be honest with you. It's just, it's 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 what we've learned along the way, but I, you know I wish I I did have some of the the sport medicine help that we do have, the sports science stuff that we have now inside of skateboarding. Because I know you guys are big Theragun guys, and um, stuff like Theragun or, or Norma Tech or you know any sort of ice training stuff like that. We 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 didn't have growing up in Chilliwack. It was just like put dirt Knock on it, it off, right? Yeah, shake yeah. it off, you'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. I remember my first concussion. Uh, well, it wasn't my first concussion. My first concussion snowboarding, now that's a lie too. My second concussion snowboarding, <laughs> uh, I, I remember taking my gear off and I just knocked my head real bad in Blackcomb and uh, snowboarding down to my my my, my house in, in Blackcomb and uh, taking all my gear off, sitting on the on the on the couch, and then thinking, oh, I'm really thirsty. Like I really need something to drink, and maybe I'll get a glass of milk from the from the fridge. And I go up to the kitchen, and there was a a glass of milk poured on the counter full glass i had no memory of it and that's when i like called my mom and she's like go to the hospital like no memory like just remember remember being super thirsty and then like you know it, it's it's gnarly but I, like i said i wouldn't take any of it back that's pretty crazy i have one day in ninth grade that i don't even remember because i got conked so bad uh, it was the last day we had that teacher strike 
And that was the greatest period of life where like I went snowboarding every single day. My mom dropped me off at Sunridge and like we would just dig igloos inside of the jumps. And then the last day, like, yeah, just destroyed myself. And like, it is crazy when you're like, all of a sudden you're like waking up in the middle of a field and you're like, holy shit, what is going on? It's funny because we were just talking about this time last night on our tour pod and that whole time when the, the teacher, teacher strike? strike yeah that's where funny. did this milk come from yeah but yeah that, that's something i wanted to kind of touch on like i guess nowadays because it's so evident it's out there so much but with kind of the cte culture and skateboarding and snowboarding kind of snowboarding has been okay with it in the sense that like if you want to go in the park you got to have the helmet anyways and mm-hmm. to be fair I don't care if I'm not going in the park. Like I'm going way too fast to not have a helmet on. Like that's just stupid. But skateboarding has always kind of eluded that in the sense that it's like, mm, no, I don't think so. And how do you change that culture where it's like, hey, you're you're gonna get a concussion. Like if you continue yeah. to go hard like that, it, it's gonna happen. I I'm, I'm probably I'm gonna name name drop in this story, but um, I. You know, I'm older now, so I'm not I'm not worried about, you know, fitting in or being cool inside the skateboard world. But, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a, a, a user case for um, for helmets. And I wish I, I wish I would have, you know, been smarter when I was younger. And any any kid of mine um, will definitely be wearing helmets moving forward. Um, but I think any I think the good rule for a parent is any wheel, any wheeled sport, they should be wearing a helmet. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I, I was on a committee uh, with with Tony Hawk um, talking about this issue, and um, and it we you know there the the conversation was whether then this was early on. It's changed since, and and now it's anyone under sixteen has to wear a helmet. Before that, it was just preference in skateboarding. So park skateboarding, you have to wear a helmet. Thank God, mm-hmm. after a, an incident we had in Brazil um, last year. And, and, and in street skating, it's anyone under 16, which, which I think could be bumped up to 18. But um, I was in a room and, and uh, we were talking about, in a room at USC actually, and uh, we, 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 were, we were talking about protection and there was, there, was, there was an argument that there was more head injury in high school basketball than there is in skateboarding and then skateboarding the majorities of the um the injuries happen to your ex- external extremities like your fi- your fingers your digits right your fingers or your wrists or your ankles um and and you know tony i was sitting beside tony's uh uh, uh foundation founder which is mika vukajic and so he kind of leaned back to both of us and and uh he's like it's only gonna take one bad like it'll only take one and we're gonna be on live tv Right. And, and, you know, we have the Kodak courage of of uh, the, the live television rolling, you know, this this kid like, you know, uh, the Thunder Bay kid who's, you know, he's going to want to go bigger and faster than he's ever gone before. And if we have, a, you know, one bad, bad uh, example on live TV, that'll be the end of of the skateboarding experience in on the global stage. So. Um, you know, I, for one, I'm, I'm a champion of, of protection now, especially cause like, man, I can't see it on my right eye. Yeah. Like I have, I have issues driving in, 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 in certain light and, uh, you know, I can't skateboard in, in normal light. Now I have to have a really controlled environment to be able to, to tell where the transitions start. And, you know, I'd love to be golfing with my buddies, but I can't see the ball once I hit it. So, um, yeah, I, I think moving forward, I think, you know, 
skateboarding's pretty new, man. We we, we were on the the precipice of of uh, street skateboarding in the in the early '90s, and and we've gone through our growing pains, and and hopefully it gets to a point where it's an accepted thing, like it is in snowboarding. Yeah. Um, but we'll we'll have to see because it's you know kids don't think it's cool, man. Yeah, but unfortunately, it's becoming so evident out there. I mean, come on, every single sport is talking about CT. They're talking, if you play peewee football to the time you make the NFL, you will probably endure something like five to 10,000 concussions by that time. Okay, so that's just one sport. You're you're saying that they're comparing high school basketball to skateboarding. It's like, okay, well, that's not, that's a bullshit metric because how many high school basketball games are there? A yeah. hell of a lot more than, you know, skateboard competitions. You can't compare those two. So, yeah. And you know what? A lot of the times, skateboarding is still kind of tucked away in that old school mentality where it's like, ah, I took a fall, but I'm just not going to say anything. And, oh, yeah, you know, I got dizzy, but I'm fine, man. You know, there's well, they, this well, like, we can't down. control what's happening, you know, on the streets. We can, we can only, like, you know, be an example. But what we can control is what we're doing inside of the organization. And, mm-hmm. you know, this, just a quick antidote, but, you know, I was – I was tasked to go to China for the first world championships of park skating. I don't know what year this was. I think it was, might've been 2017 maybe. Um, and it was like this small, you know, small in China. I think it was a city of 3 million or something. Um, <laughs> city Nanjing. And uh, you know, we're on the side of a riverbank. They built this massive skate park and uh, you know, they, 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 they bust in uh, Chinese, uh, elementary school kids to fill the stands every day at the, at the event. It was just wild. They had no idea what was going on, but, um, but sit there and clap. Yeah. <laughs> they had the balloon things that like clap yeah, and, and the, the Chinese announcer would tell them when to do it. It was, and then they go straight back to the mobile game and they just were gaming the whole time. But uh, anyways, long story short, the I'm, I'm on the deck and we don't have a doctor there. We don't have a concussion protocol. We don't have anything. You know, it's just me because I have, I have, you know, I have the bandwidth to go to China and, and, and help, um, you know, shepherd these these kids, you know, to represent our country. And, uh, you know, during the semifinals, one of the Brazilian guys um, knocked himself out in the bull. And, uh, and you know, his team jumps down in the bull, picks him up, carries him out. Um, the, the Chinese doctors that were on, on site were like, they looked like, two 12 year old girls in lab coats in like, in like, you know, science mm-hmm. coats. And, you know, they didn't speak Portuguese. The, the Portuguese didn't speak Chinese or Mandarin. And um, it was a mess. And what they ended up doing was putting a bandaid on the guy's head, put, or like a, like a little, it wasn't even a bandaid, put a helmet on him and threw him back into the, the event. Oh my God. And I'm standing oh, there man. knowing the two subdermal hematomas that I've had, the multiple concussions I've had, the, the optic nerve damage that I've had going, starting to feel really kind of um, inadequate um, for, for me, you know, taking care of, of, of our skaters. And I said, you know, starting to put myself in those shoes, like what would I have done if the Thunder Bay guy, you know, Adam Hopkins knocked his noggin because he's going to be combative. He's a hockey boy and mm-hmm. he's the toughest, one of the toughest guys I know. And he would want to go back in. And I, and, and I went straight back to Canada and, and went to the board and said, we need a concussion protocol in place here. And, and we need to know what we need to do at these world championships. And, and since then, you know, have a protocol in place. We brought medical uh, um, support to these larger events. And, you know, we can only do what we can do for our organization. But it's definitely a work in progress in, in, the, in, the, in the space because it's, it's, it's a definitely a risky, risky sport. 
Yeah. yeah. Like I'm well, even just listening to you talk about that. I just brought up these memories of like a ski trip. We went on and I was trying to show off first run, got stuck up on the top of the battleship, get a conky. And then it's like the rest of the day, I'm like doing front flips and stuff for people because it's like, I got a show to put on, but probably shouldn't have been at the same time. Right. But like, it's hard to like remove yourself. So you need someone that's like smarter than you that can say, Hey, no, like the next one, you may not wake up from and it's and it's very real it's very real and it's very trackable like you can scan the brain now you can see where a concussion where the damage has taken place and and and, and there's there's uh, user cases for like the long-term effects that come along with concussions that you don't think about you're like mm-hmm. oh i'm fine nothing's broken let me keep going but then you know 10 years from now you're dealing with depression or anxiety or anything like that like it's it's a real thing and it's something like I care a lot about these young kids because they have no idea. All they want to do is skate, skate, skate. Like this Faye, this Faye girl, she just turned 11. She's a, she's a mad woman on a board, but she, she's not like her frontal lobe cortex of her, of her brain is not going to be developed until she's 22. She's got another At half best. of her whole life or double the life that she's already lived until her, her decision-making part of her brain is fully developed to be able to make those cautious decisions of, oh, maybe I shouldn't throw myself off of this, or maybe I shouldn't try to grind 20 blocks of coping on this, this corner, right? So it's, uh, we need to be there for the athletes that, you know, aren't, aren't quite there mentally, you know what I mean? Well, I'm glad uh, that we have people like you and organizations like Canada Skateboard to kind of usher the sport into the next wave, to say the least. I, I, yeah, I hope we do well, man. I think uh, I think we have a very good chance of, uh, you know, I mean, at least making the country proud. We've got, you know, I think we're going to field um, probably half of the quota that we that that we that we're able to field because there, there's a bit of a gap inside of women's uh, park skateboarding. But we're really strong inside of men's street. We're we're we're, we're strong in men's park, and we're also um, quite strong in, in women's street as well. So. I think it's going to be a great showing, man. I, I'm just excited. You know, uh, you know, my, my delusions of grandeur have changed a bit of, uh, you know, partying in Tokyo and the streets of Tokyo and, you know, hanging out with all the skaters and, you know, how that's going to be. It's the currently the, the COVID protocol for July of next year in Tokyo is looking pretty strict and yeah. they're, they're actually trying to um, deter anyone from actually coming to, um, to partake in the, the festivities and and actually the, the 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 bubble situation for our athletes is looking pretty strict. Like I won't be able to um, to actually be in contact with any of our skaters as as a delegate of the organization. Like our coaches will be there, um, but as I will just be in the stands with a walkie-talkie, and that's as close as I can get to them. Where I'm I'm used to being you know, in the trenches with them, in the hotels with them, uh, you know, dinners afterwards and, and, you know, just hanging out with the crew. It's, it's, it's not going to be like that, unfortunately. What a, I don't even want to ask my question about fraternizing with all the, because the Olympics has a pretty bad reputation of like all the athletes <laughs> getting together and like doing things. Right. So it's like, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they control that. Well, Tokyo is doing pretty well on the COVID front as well. So, like, they don't want to lose it. You know what, man? We 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 all have smiles on our face when it comes to that, and I, I just wish they could have that experience. Yeah, um, yeah. You know what? I, you know, it, it, it's unfortunate because these guys have put in the work, and it's uh, it, it's too bad. It, by the looks of it, is they're going to have to come to Canada because a lot of them train um, outside of country. Come to Canada, quarantine, you know, uh, test before they get on the flight. 
um, test when they land in Tokyo, drive straight into their bubble, test when they uh, get into the bubble, compete at their events and get back on the plane and fly home. Unfortunately, yeah. that seems to be the case. And, and they're actually trying to make, make a case for anyone traveling to Tokyo, like myself, um, we would have to quarantine in Japan for 14 days before before we can go to any events so um if that's the case i mean no one can afford that it's it's no. 400 dollars american a night for a hotel so um Ouch. yeah it's gonna, it's gonna be a challenging year but that being said they just announced uh last week that um skateboarding has been announced for the 2024 olympics in paris Beautiful. which is a huge skateboarding hub globally which is going to be huge because 2028 um is in la and of course, LA is just like the skateboarding capital. Mecca. I was actually happened to be at a Chargers game sick. down at the Coliseum two years ago, and they lit the cauldron for the 2028 game. So I was there for the lighting of the cauldron. So um, we look like we're in the clear for the next uh, two quads of Olympics, which which is uh, pretty exciting for us, anyways. Because you know a lot of our support comes from our sport partners, being Sport Canada and the Canadian Olympic Committee. And if if we're not targeted for um, the games and you know their interest in skateboarding will probably uh, get smaller and smaller yeah that sucks yeah well it's in good hands now i think yeah this has so, been a fun time absolutely so I, much fun i i want to apologize to the golf uh the golf fans of this show and uh you know no uh, don't apologize this is great, oh, man. regular scheduled programming next week and i and i hope you enjoyed a little insight of of, of skateboarding no, and so it's you know what skateboarding is such an integral part of a lot of young people in Canada, but a lot of young golfers' lives. So I, I would have to say seventy percent of the guys that play golf with skateboard at one one capacity in their lives or, or the other. So it's uh, it's definitely been a, a fun sort of uh, travel back in time and revisit the good old days when uh, a Slurpee and uh, maybe a cigarette someone stole from their parents, oh. and then a curb and some wax was all that mattered, right? It's it's funny. It's just a uh, one last quick story about my brother. Just to talk shit on him before I leave. Yes, um, please. <laughs> he he was you know as I said a protege early nineties and that, and that's when I started uh, I started skating and he was not supportive of, of skateboarding at all in ninety two and ninety three because golf back then was was super preppy still right yeah, like he's popping his collar like. we're talking chaps <laughs> chaps vests and like you know, anything polo, which is funny because, you know, as skaters now, it's, it's quite preppy on, on one of the lanes. And now I wear a lot of polo now. But, yeah, uh, I'm looking at preppy. Yeah, exactly. Now, to be honest. <laughs> he, uh, you know, he was always, you know, he always had kind of, you know, backhanded comments. He's seven years older, so he's 19 at the time, all the hot shit at the, at the golf course. And then he goes backpacking in Australia for a year, comes back with, well, actually sent me a postcard saying, I hope you're skateboarding still because it's huge down here. Everyone's doing it. And then he shows up a, a year later looking like Eddie Vedder. He's got a like long hair and like the soul patch and, and just stoked that I'm like, I stuck with it. And, uh, and, and then it just got really close together. Like the golf and, uh, and, and the action sport world is, is so locked together now. Like my brother's the rep for stance socks. And like, I, I've been a, you know, I've been getting stance socks since they came out and it was just a, a side project out of Soltech, which was you know, the company that makes Etnies and America shoes. Now they're like 10 times as big as those shoe companies making socks for the NBA and golf and NFL. So it, it, it's kind of cool to see it get accepted 
um, in, in, in the other cultures. And, and, you know, my, my brother ended up working in snowboarding for so many years. It's, it's funny, but yeah, just to talk shit, he was wearing the, the chaps, uh, vests <laughs> at the country club and, and not back in his little brother trying kickflips and trying to ollie the hockey stick in the front yard. I love it. Well, to I tie it all it. full circle, I mean, golf and snowboarding or skateboarding, they're individualistic sports. They always tie hand. They always go hand in hand. It's you figure your shit out and go from there. Nobody else can help you. And that's why I think there's always that correlation. Yeah. yeah. That correlation will never go away. Yeah. A hundred percent. Totally. Uh, Benny work. Once again, where can people find uh, Canada Skate? Uh, yeah. At, at Canada Skateboard on Instagram, Facebook, Canada Skateboard.ca.com. Um, quick plug we've got a, a documentary series coming out in 2021 that's you know uh leading into the games um i wish i could announce what uh, platform it's going to be on but we're still in, in discussions but it's looking like it's going to land on a pretty sweet platform and so just be on the lookout because it's that's like the heart and soul of our organization went into these documentaries and uh big things for 21 i wish i could talk more about yeah, I wish we had time to talk about it. That might be a nice segue into something that's available through you guys, too. Oh, yeah, shoot. Throw yeah, a quick we, plug out. We just launched a watch with our partnership with uh, Swatch Canada. So it's actually the, the Swiss side of Swatch. So um, uh, Swatch, Swass. they don't make a <laughs> – they don't do a lot of collabs, and so it's a it's a really cool opportunity to uh, uh, to support the organization. So on our website, we've got a really limited run of uh, Swatch watches, and we actually made a, a camouflage print out of uh, 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 images of our skaters at the last national championship. So like poses of our skaters that were have been broken down into a, a camouflage print, and uh, we actually just launched that last week. So yeah, thanks for the reminder. There you go. There's too Absolutely. much stuff going on, guys. Love it, man. You guys are doing a lot of good things, and it's uh, we only wish the, the best for you guys in this upcoming Olympics. It's going to be fun to watch Canada compete, and uh, we can't wait to check back in with you after and uh, have you back on the show. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much. Appreciate you, man, and we'll talk to you hopefully sometime in 2021 when we can chat about everything that's going on. Sounds good, guys. Cheers. Awesome. Peace, Benny. Thanks, Benny. It's been fun. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Chat with you guys next week.